This is episode number 207 with Sam Eaton. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. My name is Travis Albritton, your friendly neighborhood Bible teacher. Each week, we'll dive into the tips, tricks, and hacks that you can implement in your daily life to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump into your daily dose of Practical Christian Training. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic Monday so far, or whatever day you happen to be listening to this episode. And my guest today is a suicide survivor who has dedicated himself to helping people work through their depression and move towards Jesus. And so I actually reached out to Sam because I saw what he was doing with his ministry, and because suicide and depression aren't really something that you hear a lot about in church. And so I know for me and for a number of other good-hearted Christians that I know, uh, you know, it's easy to want to help, but not really be equipped with the information and tools that you need to be effective in helping people that are struggling, right? That the things that you think would help you might actually make the problem worse when somebody's dealing with depression and even thoughts of suicide. And so I thought it was super important to be able to bring on somebody who uh, is in this day in and day out and has experienced it himself to be able to share the things that he's learned and the things that actually make a difference in tackling depression. And so in this interview, Sam is going to share his personal uh, attempted suicide story and really how that transformed him. He talks a lot about how God gave him a new identity, a new purpose, a new trajectory in life, and how important God is in dealing with and, and working through depression. And we also cover some really practical ways that you can both help yourself and others cope with depression. Now, before we jump into the conversation, I want to take a moment and give a special shout out to two awesome people, Mark and Trish, who are supporting the podcast on Patreon. Thank you guys so, so much for your support. It means the world to me, and I'm just so grateful that uh, that this podcast has meant that much to you that you want to support it in that way. So thank you. Thank you so much. And if you would like to partner with the podcast and to help Christians around the world learn how to be more effective for God, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash practical Christian podcast, or just click on the link in the show notes and you can go and check it out. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Sam. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I am Really looking forward to digging into this with you. Likewise, yeah. So if you could just take maybe like five minutes or so and just give a brief overview of your ministry and then a little bit about your own personal history with depression and suicide and kind of how those two things uh, have come together into what you're currently uh, working on. Yeah, so uh, in December 2011, I attempted suicide. It's not a part of my story I talked about for a very long time. Uh, I, didn't t- I told only a few close friends for years. Uh, and it's depression and suicidal thoughts were something I battled all throughout high school and college. And at 23, just kind of the perfect storm of everything hitting rock bottom. Uh, fast forward to 2015, I teach elementary school music. Uh, it's my day job in a large suburban school district uh, outside Minneapolis. And in a short amount of time, we lost two students, a teacher and a principal who all took their own life. Oh, wow. So 
every time as a staff, we would get an email from letting us know that this had happened. And I would just sit at my desk and I would just sob. Um, cause I had this story in me and I knew what they were going through. I knew somewhat at least what they were thinking and feeling. Um, and I just felt like that little nudge, some of us might call God or the Holy spirit that I had to do something about it. And I didn't know what that would look like. Uh, I, I wrote a version of a book, uh, over a couple of years, um, just kind of processing my own story. And then finally felt like I could, could talk about it to other people. And so, uh, in 2016 in May, I started, I just started a ministry. I just said, well, I'm a ministry now. <laughs> I, uh, that's live. I published a blog post. Um, it started small. I just spoke a musician friend of mine. We just did little, he, he played music and I talked for like 10 minutes. Uh, and that's how it started. And quickly we were doing churches and then I was kind of off on my own thing. And two years later, we're coming up on our 50th event. Um, our, we do lots of big high school events. It's been one of our most successful things. We go into public high schools on Wednesday nights. Um, we've had five, six, seven hundred people show up, uh, supported by the school. I get to talk a little bit about how Jesus affected my story. Um, and everyone gets to learn about depression and, and suicidal stuff. So it's, it's a hard ministry to run. Uh, one of my mentors has said to me, Oh, like you thought God was going to give you an easy ministry. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely been a learning curve for me to figure out how to balance and take care of myself in all of that. Um, but it's also just become the most rewarding thing of my life to be able to help other people who are there share tangible ways to fight and get through what I've been through and then also share the hope of Jesus. Cause for me, without that, I, I know I would have just cycled back again. It was really handing my life over to God, really changing things about my life. Um, in that regards, getting closer to Jesus that pulled me through all of that. So that brings us to today. So we just went through that very quickly, but that, that is a, a lot happening in a relatively short amount of time. Um, so what was your life like before, uh, you, your attempted suicide back in 2011? Did you grow up in like a, a faith kind of standpoint? Were your parents Christians? Was that foreign to you or were, did you kind of have God in the back of your mind th- through that whole period? Like, what was that like leading up to that point? And then after you decided, you know what, I'm not going to take my own life. What did that look like afterwards? Yeah, so I uh, had just a lot of brokenness in my childhood. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, that disease caused a lot of pain in all of our lives. Uh, we were very we went to church uh, Christmas and Easter most of the time. Uh, I did some Sunday school things, so I kind of knew of God. Um, certainly, never really. He never affected any of my decisions or anything like that. I mean, I youth group hopped even through high school. My dad left when I was 12. He took off and then it was just my mom, my sister and I, and we still struggled for a long time. Um, luckily, I had just the best group of Christian friends in middle school uh, who all went to church. So we did, you know, this this uh, amusement park trip here and this water park trip. And so I got these little whispers of who God was, uh, went off to a Lutheran college, um, still struggling with depression and suicide through all of this, right? I mean, it's like, such a misconception that people think Christians don't struggle with this. Um, I think there's a lot of shame and guilt in that. So I just always want to be clear that, that, I mean, I, I knew who God was. Um, and even as a Christian now, I've still battled these things. Um, the change for me came. Uh, so at 23, when life hit rock bottom after the attempt, when I chose to stay, 
um, I, I just said to God, I was like, clearly, uh, if you're real, like you're going to have to show me a better way of living. Cause clearly the decisions I have made have led me to a place where I don't even want to be alive anymore. Um, so help <laughs> that, that was kind of where it was. And it's not like it was an overnight thing. It's not like the next day was sunshine and rainbows. It's been a long process. Um, but the trajectory of my life changed and the decisions I was making about how I spent my time and um, what I believed about myself, the lies that I believed about myself started coming out the more I started to read the Bible and get to know who God says that we are. Uh, and all of that leads to a life at 30 where things are pretty great. So I think that's really cool how God played the ro- a role in you kind of reshaping your focus and kind of your trajectory for your life. Um, so I imagine there was a lot of different things that you were wrestling with immediately after trying to kind of feel your way in some kind of positive direction, but not really sure what that looks like. So what were the things that really stuck out to you that I guess were like markers or indicators that I'm on the right track, that, you know, the God of the Bible is the God that I want to devote my life to. And then were there any moments where you're like, wow, this is actually working. Like before I felt hopeless, but now I'm getting these little glimpses of, you know, a life to the full that, that I'm really seeking. Was there anything like that that really sticks out to you? Oh, so 18 months after the attempt, I was uh, doing a music missionary to Zimbabwe. Um, so I had to fundraise $4,500 as a kid who barely ever went to church um, was accepted, went. And so, uh, there I was standing in front of Victoria Falls, which is one of the most, it's one of the seven natural wonders of the world. It's as far left and right as you can look. It's just a waterfall. It looks like the earth just gives way. Um, and I was just sobbing because I, I just distinctly remember thinking you actually believe there would never be another good day of your life. Like that's where I was at. I thought there would never be another day that was worth being around for. Um, and there I was on this crazy God adventure talking to people about Jesus in Africa, having just the best time of my life um, and finding this whole new way of living. Um, so that that is definitely one of the highlights for sure. Uh, fast forward a little bit to today, um, just getting to connect with Christians all over the U.S., um, you know, God says that he'll use all things for the good of those who love them. It's one of my favorite verses. And like he's today using the worst day of my life uh, to help people, but then also just to connect me with all these people that I never would have met um, had I made it, you know, things not gone that way or, or whatever, had I just had a perfect, easy life. Uh, so those are some of the big highlights. So you mentioned that depression is something that's not easy to talk about even in Christian communities or that it's not something that people feel necessarily comfortable bringing up. Why do you think that is? What do you think is uh, playing into that? And and how can we do a better job as a community, as a faith community of encouraging those conversations? I mean, first of all, it's just recognizing depression for what it is, which is an illness, right? It's like, we have to talk about it, what it actually is, like a medical illness within your brain. Um, unfortunately, you know, if someone has the flu or if they have diabetes, it's like we say, yeah, get medicine, like take insulin. If someone has something in their brain, our first response as Christians is almost always 
you know, pray more, read your Bible more, do more church, more, more, more. Um, and so it's sorting out those two things and seeing them as very separate things. Um, depression, even just recognizing the symptoms. A lot of people don't, don't even know what the symptoms are. I'll just share a few of them, but sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, eating too much, not eating enough, feeling hopeless or worthless. I'm not having energy or motivation, um, thoughts of suicide, all of that. Um, unfortunately we, we spiritualize feeling down and feeling low and not having motivation instead of looking at on the medical part. And when I teach about depression, I teach about it. There are three sides of it. There's the physical side. There's like what's actually happening, happening in your body, which might be, and there's ways to work with that exercise, getting enough sleep, um, medication, maybe if that is what your doctor thinks might help. There's the mental side of it, which is for counseling and, and sort of working through either trauma you've been through or just thought patterns that you have um, about yourself or your relationships. And then there is a spiritual component to this too. There is this part, um, you know, of knowing like, right, that God, like before my attempt, I truly believed that I was an accident, that, um, you know, I shouldn't have existed. And like right in the Bible, it says God knew me before I was in the womb. So just these truths about who God is and who he says we are, all three of those are so important. And so I think as a church, we tend to hyper-focus on the spiritual side because that's what we know best. Um, and we forget to really nurture the other two as well. And as far as starting the conversation, I mean, that's what, that's what we try to do with our events. The biggest thing is, you know, we come into a community and, and I share my story. I share about, you know, this, these things, medical research statistics about suicide and depression. And I just give people the chance to have a conversation about it. You know, I, I think as prevalent as suicide and depression are in our society, we don't have a lot of people standing up and saying like, this is me. I've been there. I've been through this. Um, and so I think it starts with that. It starts with that stigma piece sharing, you know, within ourselves, within our community as, as we can and as we're able. Um, and then really as church bodies focusing on this as well and, and saying, you know what, we're going to do something intentional about this, whether it's an event or a night or a ministry. But we recognize that like suicide is at a 50 year high for 2017. We just had 47,000 suicides last year. So like as a church community, we need to recognize there's something in our culture that we're missing and, and we, need, we need to come alongside that and, and help any way that we can, little or big. No, I think that's good. I, th- I think it's so important, like you said, to, to understand the holistic viewpoint that it's not one little thing here or there, but it's really kind of really every essence of our being. It's the spiritual, the physical, the mental, you know, maybe even the relational. Um, so what were the... Th- what are the kind of the truths or the, the, the things that God says about us that have really helped you stay grounded in God's view of you versus, you know, the, the things that we often tell ourselves when we're feeling at a low point or feeling worthless or feeling like, you know, I'm not really sure if, you know, anybody would miss me or if I really matter. Like, what are the things that you repeat to yourself to break out of that mindset and to remember this is who God created me to be. I'll say it's so hard. Like, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that when I'm at my lowest, most of the time I want nothing to do with God. Like all of that just feels, just feels kind of like crap. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast. Sorry, but it just like, it just, when I'm in that like really negative headspace, it's a lot of work um, to believe in the goodness of God. It just, it is for me. Um, A couple of them, 
I mean, the biggest one for me is just, I have this little mantra. I was made on purpose for a purpose and I'm never alone. Like that just for me, it's just that little piece. I was made on purpose for a purpose. There's a reason I'm here and I'm never alone, no matter what I'm feeling or thinking. Um, I'm just not, God is always with us. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the, the most, uh, I don't know, biblically like theology, high and talk that's ever happened, but in the heat of the moment, on purpose, for a purpose, never alone. Those are the things I need to hear and believe that are true. No, I think that's great. It's cause it's, it's, it's kind of like your, your, your first line of defense. It's like, it's gotta be instantaneous and it's gotta be simple and it just has to resonate with you in a way that really speaks to, okay, no, 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 this is who I am. This is my identity. These other things are just, they're thoughts that I'm having, but I can only, I'm only going to give them the power that I allow myself to give them. Like they, they don't have the ability to control me as long as I don't allow them to. No, I think that's really, I think it's really powerful. Um, now I want to ask you about the, the name of your ministry, Recklessly Alive, because I think that is a fantastic name. And, and I think it, to me, it brings to mind a lot of images and a lot of thoughts and ideas and beliefs, but what does it mean to you to be recklessly alive hmm. versus just, I don't know, living or going through life? Yeah. So when I got back from, when I was in Zimbabwe, I had this dream to write a book um, and I got home and I sat on my deck and I opened a blank word document. And I wrote untitled manuscript and I wrote an introduction to this hypothetical book. Um, and in that introduction, I sat on my deck for three or four hours and the, the phrase fully and recklessly alive just came out in that introduction. And I immediately like went to Amazon and Google and tried to figure out, has anyone ever used this before? Have I heard this somewhere else? And miraculously I hadn't. Um, and so it's actually been a journey of figuring out over the last four and five years, what that actually means. I kind of had the name before I knew what it was. Uh, for me, uh, it's, it's, it's a number of things. Number one is, is having freedom. You got to have freedom in your life. So whatever is holding you back, whether that's, you know, a sin or struggle or something like that, whether that's your mental health, your physical health, um, you got to find a way to break free from whatever makes you feel lifeless and worthless. Um, I mean, I guess recklessly alive to me comes from this part of that your faith should never feel dead, right? It should, should never feel like you're just going through the motions. And I think even in the last seven years since I made the attempt and have really pushed myself, there's come to be points where you just go through the motions. And, and I was just living church to just do church. Um, and I forgot that so much of following Jesus is taking chances and taking risks and being a disruptor and doing things that people don't expect you to do, um, doing the right thing when it's, you know, not easy. Um, so I think part of it is that what I see in a lot of, what I have experienced in a lot of Christian cultures is their faith is way too safe. And so it's figuring out what's this balance of how, how, how does not just I'm alive, but like I'm recklessly and fully alive. I'm really living my best life possible um, and enjoying the journey too. I think that sometimes we forget that I fully believe God wants us to be, enjoy our lives and find the things that makes us happy um, and feel alive. Uh, and all of that together somehow turned into a ministry. <laughs> so I think the thing that I think about is how whenever God either spoke to people in the Bible or reached out or used somebody, there was always an element of the unknown involved 
right? He's like, all right, go and do this. And he wouldn't tell them what was going to happen. He would just say, I am with you. Just go. Don't worry about the details. And, and it wasn't until after they acted in obedience and faith that he swooped in and said, now let me bring this full circle. And I think what you said is, is key there because it is so easy to go through the motions and to kind of att- give lip service to the fact that Jesus is Lord without actually living as if we're taking that seriously. That, you know, if Jesus says you need to deny yourself and carry your cross or you need to, uh, you know, commit yourself to helping other people, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it means loving your enemies, for instance, then we come up with some religious speak to get around that or to feel comfortable with where we're at. So we don't actually have to stretch and let God fill in the gaps in our life. You know, we essentially want life insurance on every part of our our lives instead of saying, no, I'm going to take a leap of faith. And if God doesn't step in, it will fail spectacularly. But that's the only way to get him involved. Yeah. And, and like the crazy thing about that is that when you actually do that, when you actually like push through that fear, in my experience, that's when I felt the most alive. You know, it's those moments that I took that risk and talked to that homeless person and had dinner with them that I felt more, maybe more alive than ever. So like, there's the trick, right? It's like, we think we're too scared, but then when we actually do it, we find what actually gives our life meaning and fulfillment uh, instead of just, right, going through the motions. I love that. Well, and, and so I think that just that conversation and, and even the, the, the mindset of living a life that's adventurous and has purpose, I think is, is something that not just Christians that struggle with depression, but really all of us can take and say, yeah, like that is, that is what I signed up for. That is what I want. You know, maybe initially when I became a Christian, it was about, you know, my life is totally wrecked on my own. And so I need to figure out how to, how to get this on straight and God knows what he's doing. And, and I want to submit to that. And then over time, it's like, all right, let's, let's kind of reel this back in a little bit, make it a little less dangerous, a little more safe, a little more known. Um, you know, I'll go to church, I'll do small group, but you know, don't ask me to do anything risky. Don't ask me to like, you know, give more than 10% of my income. Don't ask me to go and do something crazy. Um, and, and so I know for me, so, so I, I, I've never been diagnosed with depression, but there are definitely been periods in my life where I was experiencing it. And, and I think that those are the moments where that thought of, you know, I just need to, to really fight through this and trust that, God can overcome these feelings because I know it can feel so overwhelming when you're in the middle of it. Like you talked about, it's like the last thing you want to do is be close to God or to submit to God or anything like that. Um, But having that mindset of, okay, I need to kind of let go a little bit here, maybe not feel in control, but invite God into this somehow, invite God into this discussion or this experience to help lead me out of kind of where I'm at to where I know I want to be. Um, I'm not sure if there's really a question baked into that, but I was just kind of talking. No, and, and no I, I loved that. And what I, I would just add to it is that, and in that there's a ton of risk too, right? It's like stepping into a counselor's office for the first time is terrifying and kind of dangerous or stepping into a doctor's office or a gym for the first time in a long time. So a lot of things that we put off because we're afraid or, we're feeling bad about ourselves or whatever, like there's huge risk even in just those little changes. But over time, when you do those 
little risks, you know, it, it, your life starts to evolve and things start to move in ways um, that you didn't expect. So, so I want to take some time to kind of maybe get a practical a little bit. So if someone is wrestling with depression or having thoughts of suicide or knows somebody that is wrestling with depression, what would be like the key things to do from square one to start moving in the right direction? Yeah. Uh, so if it's you, um, if you're ever feeling suicidal, uh, the number one thing is just there's so much help out there. I mean, there's a suicide hotline that you can just Google and find right away. There's a text line that's anonymous and people will talk to you. They'll connect you with resources in your area right away. So if you're ever in that immediate kind of crisis mode, um, there's some really great resources out there of people who will protect your privacy and just care about you and just want to help you through it. So that's the start. Um, if it's, if you're, uh, if it's you in depression, you're thinking maybe this could be depression. I mean, the number one place to start is just talk to your primary doctor. So your doctor can give you just an eight to 10 question screener um, in the office in your regular checkup. And they can just start the conversation of, could it be this? And, you know, it might be a blood test. It could be something else. You might just have a little iron or something. Um, but just your doctor is a great place to kind of start and, and be the central part of your um, your. Uh, kind of recovery or whatever you want your treatment, I guess I would call it. Um, counseling has been a huge part of my journey. Uh, it's it took a long time to find the right counselor for me. Um, finding a Christian person who uh, would push me and I felt comfortable with. Um, and so I, I had to visit about four or five before I found the right fit. But once I did, that was probably the greatest thing that that happened. Um, exercise has been a huge part of that for me. And when you're feeling depressed, that's not what you want to do, but, uh, getting enough exercise, like I talked a little bit about before getting enough sleep, uh, getting seven to nine hours of sleep consistently, um, eating well, uh, gratitude has been proven to be a huge thing to fight depression. Uh, so that science is proving that when you write five things that you're thankful for when you wake up and five things before you go to sleep, chemicals in your brain actually start to change. Um, which I love that, right? Because God in the Bible tells us over and over again to practice Thanksgiving. And then there's like physical things that happen to you. So practicing gratitude, journaling is an awesome thing for you to do to just write out and sort out what you're feeling or what you've been through on the day. Uh, sharing with people, just having a few trusted close people who can tell you what, or you can just share what you're going through. Um, and on the flip side of that, when I am at my worst, uh, either feeling suicidal or just very depressed, and oftentimes the best gift anyone can do is just listen and not try to fix and not anything, but just be there and say, yeah, that really sucks. And that's really hard. And, you know, is there anything I can do for you or pray for you? Um, if you want to support someone with depression, sometimes just meeting, being with them, but then meeting some physical needs for them, just helping them clean or bringing them a meal can be super powerful um, for someone, kind of give them that lift. Uh, if you, if you really think someone is struggling, helping to make those appointments for them, not in a pushy way, but either just finding those phone numbers, taking away some of those hard steps to get them to the help they need. So whether that's just providing a phone number or here are five counselors in your area, if you want to just try one, I can drive you. Um, so anything you can do to support someone on that journey and, and they might not be ready. You know, they might have, it took me a long time in myself to admit that I needed help. Um, and so they have to be ready for that too. Um, 
but anyway, those are just some quick tangible things. There's lots of stuff on my website too. I've written a ton about depression. Um, so you, you can check out even more stuff there. Yeah. And that's at recklesslyalive.com. I'll leave a link in the episode notes. So after you, you're done listening to this episode, you just go click over and, and check it out. And, uh, there are, there is a lot of really great content, uh, for your suicide prevention ministry and for some of the other aspects of your, your life as well. Um, and, and one of those really cool things that you've got is your, your new 30 day recklessly alive challenge. So tell me a little bit about how that project came to be and, and kind of what your goal is or your vision is for it. Yeah. So, uh, after the attempt, uh, I had this idea, um, that I would do one thing every day that either made my life better or made the world a better place. And I took a picture of it. Don't know where the idea came from. It was just one of the things in that week following that I thought I would do. And I, I did this. It's all on Facebook. You can add me on Facebook. You can look at the pictures. They're in the ebook too. I did this for over five months. Uh, little things from just trying new exercises or spending time in my Bible or you know, going out to coffee with a friend um, to bigger things, skydiving and, and other crazy things like that. Um, but the, really the crux of it was, you know, uh, having these photos. So not only was I making small, like one goal every day, which now I know research also shows is a good thing to fight depression, but I had this whole photo album of proof of how my life was changing. So when I was feeling horrible, I had 30 pictures of times out with my friends or a clean closet or, you know, trying new recipes, just these, I could physically fight and look at no, actually, what's happening in my brain is wrong. Things are getting better. They're moving in the right direction. Um, and, and it worked. I mean, it, it worked. It pulled me out of the worst of it. Um, I've done the project a couple of times since, never to that degree. Um, but people at my speaking events always ask, you know, what, okay, well, actually, what are the physical things that you did to get out of this? And so I decided to make the ebook just as a way. It's, it's ebook slash workbook. It's not, it's not really like a thing you read. It's more um, kind of a workbook to pull you through it. There's a calendar in there. There's places to make your lists and just kind of tips and tricks. Um, but I'm really excited. It's a really cool part of my story. And I hope that it, it blesses some people, maybe not even if you just have depression, but if you're just feeling stuck, like feeling stuck in your life, um, it has helped me in a lot. So I hope it helps some other people too. Yeah, definitely. And I'll leave a, a direct link to uh to where you can get the ebook in the in the show notes cuz I think even if you're not wrestling with depression per se but you know you you feel like you could be in a better place or you want to intentionally kind of move forward in some area that that I think that's a really cool strategy it's a really tangible and visual way of kind of documenting your progress cuz it can kind of feel like is what I'm doing working am I making any progress if it's just kind of you in your head fighting day to day but but that's really cool that you kind of create this easy to implement documentation process to validate that yes, you are making progress and you are in the right, going in the right direction and it is somewhere that you want to be heading. So I think that's really cool. I think it's awesome. Thank you. So uh, before we jump into the, the last uh, couple questions I have for you, if someone came to you and said, I'm really wrestling with depression or suicide and I know that hypothetically God is the answer, but I'm just not convinced or I'm not sure if that's something that I want to pursue. What encouragement or advice would you give to that person? Hmm. 
So uh, the moment that I knew the Bible was real, and I, I don't know the day of when I found this passage in Romans, um, and this is actually in the message version, but Romans 8.11 says, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be as alive as Christ's. I just remember when I found this, I just started crying because this is my story. In this super old dusty book from however long ago, like this is my story from being a few seconds to almost not existing to turning the corner to, to doing hard work. Like I said, it didn't just change in itself. God just didn't jump in and pay off all of my student loans. It was hard work. Um, but when I followed him, he just kept leading me in the direction. It was, I made mistakes and I screwed up, but it was the trajectory of my life changed. Um, and so like, I don't want to give anyone the impression that it just happens instantly. I accept Jesus and now everything is perfect. Um, but this thing changed in me where I actually started to believe in myself too, where like, uh, you know, the, the verse, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For the first time in my life, I started to believe that I actually could do these really hard things that I needed to do. So I guess if I was going to talk to myself in that place, um, I would just say, you have no idea like how much better life can get. Um, and the thing about suicide and depression is your brain is lying to you. At the end of the day, your brain is lying to you. You're not seeing the world the way that it really is. The, you know, the best um, analogy I can come up with is like someone battling anorexia who has an eating disorder, their body's wasting away. They might even be dying. They look in the mirror and their brain tells them they are fat from this disease. And suicidal thoughts feel exactly like that. You can't see light. You can't see hope. You can't see that people actually love and care about you. You're seeing a warped reality of the way the world actually is. So just recognizing that in that place, that what your brain is telling you is a lie and that there is a way forward and there is a ton of, of hope. That's what, that's what this whole Jesus thing is. Like he came here to give us hope and show us a better way to live our lives. And that doesn't mean that there still isn't struggle and we don't wrestle and we don't make mistakes. Um, but when you align your life that way, when you spend time getting to know who he was, how he lived, uh, I just, I fully believe that God will move in your life. You'll, you'll start to feel more alive through the ups and downs. Um, and, and things will just get better than you ever thought they could. Amen. Amen. No, I think that's fantastic. Uh, so kind of on a more personal note, um, are there any, uh, practices or things that you do on a daily basis to stay close to God or to stay close in your relationship with God? Mm. My connection has always been music since I was a little kid. I'm a music teacher, as I mentioned, um, and that has been the one thread for me. Um, when things are horrible or great, I just love to sit down on my piano and just play and sing. Um, that is where I feel most connected to God. Uh, I wish I could say I was one of those people who reads my Bible every single day. I never miss it. It's 8.02 and I do that. And there are seasons of that. And then there are seasons when I mess that up and I don't do that either. Um, so yes, the word of God for sure. Um, but music is my, my number one go-to always. Um, even when I'm, even when I'm really struggling, I can't always get myself to read the Bible, but I can always get myself to sing God's promises. Awesome. Uh, are there any books 
that you've read that you, that you would say have had a profound impact on your spiritual growth? Yeah. So I have 20 of them on my website. Uh, (laughs) Just a couple. um, It's right on my website. uh, 20 books that will ruin your life for the better, something like that. Um, But the, a huge turning point in my faith was crazy love by Francis Chan. Um, That was just in that year following the attempt was one of the books that I read um, where I started to really see how cool God was and and the difference between what I learned as a kid about who Jesus was and, and, you know, that reckless life that we're talking about um, really started to open my eyes in that. I read Radical by David Platt while I was in Haiti. So that already is a book that'll wreck you. And then you're sitting in Haiti holding sick orphans and reading (laughs) about our mega churches. Um, And so that was a book that was, um, has impacted me a lot. Donald Miller um, is, uh, yeah, he's just been a huge part of of my story of just kind of opening thoughts about who God is. I mean, his books are less like, here's a Bible verse and they're more just story about his life. Um, A Thousand Miles in a Million Years is one of my favorite books by his. Just in that book, he talks about telling a better story with your life. And I think so much of this ministry is from that. Um, So I guess those three are three of the top ones. Those are all fantastic books. (laughs) I love all (laughs) those books. Um, Well, it's been a pleasure having you on uh, and just being able to talk about this really difficult subject that is not a fun conversation, but I think it's definitely an important and a vital conversation for us to have. Um, and then just to wrap up, if you could give someone advice, what would you tell someone who wants to make an impact for God? Yeah. Learn about who he is, spend time in the Bible, learning about the life that Jesus actually lived, uh, and then go do it. <laughs> like go actually go out there and start something and meet people who are different than you and go on big adventures, sign up to go to Africa or Haiti or something. Um, a lot of those trips, you know, people will tear down and say they're more for you than they are for the people that are going. And that might actually be true. Um, but just get out of your bubble, get out of your life, you know, tell a better story with your life, turn off Netflix and who can just cancel it and do something with your life that matters and that has meaning. Um, and you're going to be a lot happier. I can promise you that, uh, if you just spend time investing in people, uh, caring for people, loving God, um, and everything else will start to fall into place. I'm so grateful that I was able to share this conversation with you. I hope that you learned as much listening to it as I did in the interaction I was able to have with Sam. Uh, Thank you again to Sam for agreeing to come on the podcast and share what he's doing over at his website and with his ministry, RecklesslyAlive.com. I left links in the episode notes like I usually do for everything we talked about. So links to Sam's website, the 30-day challenge, if that's something that's interesting to you, and also the suicide hotline. So if you uh, live in the U.S., and you've been thinking about suicide or, or you know, having those kinds of thoughts, definitely pick up your phone and, uh, and call up the hotline. And there are trained professionals there to help you work through those emotions. But that is it for today. Make sure to smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. 
Again, just want to give a special shout out to all of my patrons who help keep this podcast advertisement free. And if this episode helped you in some way, or if you learned something or you know someone who would benefit from listening to this particular conversation, please, please pass it along to them. Every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God and make a positive impact on the people around you. Take action with what you've learned and help make the world a little more like heaven. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.